You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. After a year of protests, Portland residents, they have waning patience for Antifa. Waning. It's waning. And then they were patient at first. Oh, okay, you're breaking all our windows. Oh, right. You're riding in the streets, creating a lot of uh, havoc. We're okay with that. Ah, it's waning. We've got an interview that we're going to talk about. Nightline interviewed two guys who are allegedly, purportedly from Antifa. We're going to hear what they have to say. Check it out. I I think you'll want you'll want to hear what they have to say because it's it's very interesting. Um, I don't necessarily agree, and you as reasonable people probably don't agree either. But we're going to talk about it. If you're new here, but before we do, if you're new here, thanks for being here. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies here in the Seattle, Washington area. But more importantly. That stuff's all nonsense. I read the news that you want to hear. That's what we're doing. Because I mean, why wouldn't a real estate guy in 2021 read the news? It just seems completely reasonable. All right, here we go. Uh, This is from ABC. Rose City Antifa is one of the nation's oldest active Antifa groups. Portland. Portland's Antifa, strong. Strong down there. It's It's a different level of activism just is. Rose City Antifa is one of the nation's oldest and active Antifa groups. Members rarely give interviews, but two who say they are part of Antifa agreed to speak to Nightline as the situation in their city of Portland, Oregon has become a prolonged and destructive stalemate. Rose City Antifa members Milo and Ace, using pseudonyms, and asked that they had their faces and voices be obscured for this report. Why is that? I mean, if you're proud of your work, I'm proud of my work. I don't, I don't wear a uh, a face mask. You can see me. I identify who I am. I'm I'm proud of my real estate companies and my podcast. Therefore, I don't wear a mask. And you know what? I don't use a pseudonym. My name is Sean Reynolds. How about that? Do you see the differences here already? So we're going to go with Milo and Ace for their interview. See what they have to say. Here's the first sentence. The use of violence is a tactic of how we keep our communities safe. Violence, safe. Safe through violence. Hmm. And Milo said this, all right? Okay. So that's our, that's our first statement here that I'm a little, I'm, I'm confused on. I'm not really sure how to interpret that. All right, so you're going to create an unsafe situation to become safe. All right, all right, we're, we're just going to go with that because we got to go with that for now. Much of the blame for the chaos, property damage, and violence over the last year have landed on the self-described anti-racist, anti-fascist, far-left organizers. The black-clad coterie, I don't even know what that word is, entrenched in the city's protest movement can now find themselves in a tense showdown with city officials. Mayor Ted, mayor of Portland, has said, uh, yeah, we're going to make him hurt a little bit. He literally came out and said that in a quote. Um, We've always had protests here, but to see some of the violent acts like the Molotov cocktails and some of the things thrown at officers has been really new to us. So this is even new to the police officers. That's from Portland's police chief, Chuck Lavelle. He told Nightline. I think some of the activism that you have seen after George Floyd is next level. I mean, it, it just is. It's just, it's off the hook. They're doing their thing. 
mayors around the country are like, ah, oh, we're not really sure how to handle this. Uh, but we know we can't have it go on forever. And Portland's had this situation going on for literally just about a year, right? Mayor Ted Wheeler has been outspoken against the group in recent months, not initially, initially, it was a summer of love, right? And we just kind of had this love fest, this community gathering, that would end up in broken windows and graffiti and torn apart restrooms and you know, all, all that good stuff that you know, the violence that you have to have before you get to a safe environment. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure there. Don't quote me. I'm a real estate guy. This stuff is, it's, some of it goes over my head. The self-described anarchists who engage in regular criminal destruction don't want things to open up to recover. He said in a live video conference in April, the city of Portland will not tolerate criminal destruction for violence. For those who are involved in it, let's make them hurt a little bit, Mayor Ted. When the mayor says that he wants citizens and this law enforcement officers to make protesters hurt a little, that is pretty explicit threat, Milo said. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But he said it. And maybe he means it. We're not really sure. What does that really mean to have Antifa hurt a little bit? Or the protesters who are creating the violence? What does that really mean? Amid the back and forth, Portland residents are left drained from the conflict and are increasingly decrying the property destruction thought to be perpetuated by Antifa. Well, if they're all dressed in black, and they don't want live streamers, and they don't want any peace officers around, and they don't want, you know, they basically just want to go out and do their own thing in the middle of the night, bash some windows, do some graffiti, do a few chants, you know, kind of do that stuff. Um, if, if that's who's out there, pretty much you can assume it's Antifa. I feel frustrated that this is all going on, said Ian Williams, owner of Deadstock Cafe, a sneaker-themed cafe downtown. But I also feel frustrated that black people are getting killed. I feel frustrated that small businesses really aren't able to successfully be successful during this time, especially in the state of Oregon. Well, it's mainly just in particular in Portland, right? But you do have these shutdowns and Portland just kind of went backwards on one of their shutdowns. Tough time. I mean, the rest of the country is kind of opening up and here in the Pacific Northwest, Washington is like, well, you know, your your Rona stats are going the wrong way. You should be probably downgraded from phase three, which is more open to phase two. We're not going to do that to you. What we're going to do is we're going to put this stat on hold for a couple of weeks. We'll revisit, reimagine, rethink what your lockdown looks like afterwards. That's what our governor did. In Oregon, uh, yeah, no interior dining, bunch of other stuff. They went backwards, but they've also had a bunch of cases. But we're at that point where we are reopening economies, reopening a lot of downtowns, trying to get back going on. And when you don't have, uh, when you do have this crazy whack the windows and businesses going on, it's not a good look for businesses trying to reopen, trying to reestablish, hey, this is safe foot traffic, important for urban business corridors, not happening with this stuff going on. So that's why Mayor Ted and a lot of other um, leaders are like, okay, we've got to finally do something to address this kind of violence. Antifa claims that they're defending their city not only against heavy-handed police tactics, but also from threats from far-right extremists, groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath, Oath Keepers, leading to fierce standoffs. When's the last time you heard of a confrontation of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in Antifa?
When? Uh, I think we are overreaching here. I think that is incorrect. From what I've seen, all the Antifa stuff, like May Day, they're just out breaking windows. That's what they're doing. They're out smashing some windows. Okay, that has nothing to do with, you know, being in conflict with Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. It really doesn't. The use of violence is there to maintain safety for us and make sure that when people like the Proud Boys or the Nazis or fascists come to our city and want to do that harm, then we are not allowing that. So we're bashing out windows to maintain safety for us and make sure that when people like the Proud Boys or the Nazis or fascists come to the town you're breaking the windows out in, and they want to do that harm, which harm is that? I'm unclear. And and then Antifa is not going to allow that. Mm, okay. This is hard to follow. This is this is difficult to follow. Um, again, I'm a real estate guy. I, I don't understand these storylines all that well. But this makes no sense, right? It, it just doesn't. They're, they've received a sharp rebuke from the mayor who is asking residents to help take back their city and be the eyes and ears of the Portland Police Bureau. Mayor Ted has has basically come out and said that. Um, he said, hey, residents, you need to turn these guys in. When stuff happens, you need to turn these guys in. And that's why these protesters, these black bloc protesters, they routinely say no streamers because they don't want a record of their activities which are probably not quite so peaceful to be out there on the interweb. That's the bottom line, right? And that's why they wear black and that's why they're all hidden. And that's why they go by pseudonames. And that's why they need to have their voices changed. So people can't recognize them and prosecute them for the crimes that they're doing in order to create a safe environment. Work with that one as you will. Uh, these people often arrive at their so-called direct actions in cars, and they're all dressed in all black. Our job is to unmask them, arrest them, and prosecute them, Wheeler said in a video conference. Individuals claiming to be Antifa released a chilling video last week. Now, you guys, a lot of you guys sent me this video. I watched it. It was, I mean, it, it was like, oh, that's not good. Kind of, kind of a, it wasn't a veiled threat. It was a straight up threat to Mayor Ted that the next time blood is spilled, it might be Mayor Ted's blood. The bottom line here is that, you know, it's a it's a threat against Mayor Ted. Individuals claiming to ban Tifa released a chilling video last week containing a seemingly veiled threat against Mayor Wheeler and publicized his home address. Yep, a little doxing going on, right? And uh, yeah, they talked directly to, it was a guy in a mask, voice changed, of course, bunch of scenes of protests going on and he's kind of commentating you know narrating over the top and um i was told who this was and i checked him out and it's like okay whatever um he's some kind of antifa live streamer don't really i don't really follow any of those guys because that's you know i'm a real estate guy the mayor of this city is undeserving of his position he has made it abundantly clear that windows to him are more important than human lives all right. The mayor doesn't want you to bash out windows. That doesn't mean that windows are more important than human lives. It really, it doesn't. There's, there's really no correlation there. You might be making that stretch of the logic, but um, this is what is being said in this video. An unidentified voice in the video said, Ted, we are asking for the last time that you resign. 
So why would Mayor Ted resign? What's the dealio? What's the issue here? Oh, you just want him to resign. Okay. So Ted, we were asking for the last time that you resign. Blood is already on your hands. But next time it may just be your own. That's the thinly veiled threat there. That's pretty thin. That's just a straight up threat. But next time the blood that's on your hands, it might be your own. Meaning, uh, Ted, things may not be looking up for you. So that's out there. I know the FBI is investigating that. Um, at least I've read stories, you know, to that extent. All right, you make a threat against a mayor in a big populated city. You're probably going to have some issues. Neither Milo nor Ace of, of Antifa, Rose City Antifa, say they know anything about that video to the mayor and defended their role within the community. Most of us are in this work, and work is that is that is a light light term for what they do. Uh, destruction that really isn't work. That is just destruction. Most of us are in this work to make our communities safe and to make our communities better. I am, I am failing to see how smashing windows, doing some chants is making any community safer. And I don't see how it's making the communities better. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing this point. Milo said, you know, Milo, the pseudonym, uh, pseudonym. When we see that there are people that are coming to our home and to our city advocating violence against people of color, against queer people, then it's our resp responsibility as community members to confront that. We do not bring that fight, but we will meet it if it comes to us. All right. So, so we're talking about, you know, the confrontation with the Proud Boys and some of the, um, some of the other groups, the right wing groups, but that's not what Mayor is, Mayor Ted is talking about. He's not talking about that confrontation. He is talking specifically about, hey, you guys go on these unilateral protests where you bash out windows, do some graffiti, and often there's violence involved. That's truly one sided. It's just Antifa going out and doing their thing. That's what we're talking about. So keep the focus there. This other stuff where you're talking about other people coming into your community, that seems like a stretch at best. I mean, we're, we're not even, we're just not even talking about that. That's not really what this is about, is it? So it's one of those things where, oh, look over there. Look at this confrontation over there. Well, no, let's look at the one right in front of us that's ongoing, that's been ongoing in Portland. And I've been there. I've videoed it. I've watched it. Um, it's just straight up violence towards the city of Portland. It's not defending Portland. It's not doing any of those things. No, it's just not. I mean, look at all the videos on YouTube. There's, you know, one of the videos was Antifa basically gunning down a right wing, you know, uh, conservative guy just killed him. And then that anti member of Antifa was later dealt with by the police. And, it, and it, it didn't end up well. And that happened here in the state of Washington. The group has become a lightning rod for controversy. They became known at, at the white supremacist uh, rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017, when a man punched white nationalist Richard Spencer during an interview. Donald Trump wanted to make them a boogeyman for everything, said Mark Bray, a history professor who studies Antifa. Certainly prior to Donald Trump being in the White House, Antifa was not a household name in the United States. Despite their notoriety, the group sees their fight as a moral and just one. Milo and Ace say they practice community organizing and empowerment, which includes publicly outing alleged fascists and other dangerous elements. 
A lot of our work is compiling evidence of people's online personalities, and their online conversations and how a lot of times we see far right folks really engaging in hate speech, in misogynistic language and threats of violence online. Okay, so no issues with, you know, looking at people doing that. But then how does that translate to you going around and bashing windows and, you know, hitting on the, the Boys and Girls Club, hitting on churches, hitting on, you know, historical societies, where does the where does that come into play? I'm kind of I'm missing the dis, I'm there's a disconnect there, right? There just is many here, including some exhausted business owners seem increasingly receptive to the mayor's tough talk. I'm thankful for everybody in Portland who feels the need to fight for justice, fight for rights, fight for safety and everything Williams told Nightline, but it has definitely affected our business. All the protesting and everything in that people who are coming to visit town actually feel really unsafe. All right. So we've got one factor saying that the violence creates a safe environment. And then we've got the actual people living there. And people coming to visit town saying this doesn't feel safe. This is actually the opposite. This is really unsafe. So that's the conflict that we have going on. And that's where I think the residents of Portland, they are their patience is wearing very thin. A year of unrest has at times forced this barista to double as his own security. I was standing outside one night and somebody was like, Hey, man, I want you to go ahead and get yours. Bust the door, encouraging him to take part in the destruction. He said, I was like, No, I'm protecting my business. So right here, you've got an example of violence for the sake of violence right? Let's just call it what it is. This is this is literally just what's happening. I guess the message would be uh, like, well, cut it out. Like, why are you even doing this? He said, this is the barista, you really should be pulling up with the nails and hammers and helping me board up, you know, then instead of trying to bust down. Yeah, if you're if you're preaching safety, then you know, help against the violence, not create the violence, not incite the violence, not hit windows with hammers, Margaret or throw a brick or any of those other, you know, really nifty ways of creating safety in an environment. Margaret Carter's legacy of public service runs deep in Portland. She served as the first black woman in the Portland State Senate. She sympathizes with protesters, but is pained by their destructive tactics. I marched during the days of trying to make a difference. My voice has always been out there, but never, never did we create violence. Carter said, when you think in terms of small businesses that are being hit, who are working very hard just to prepare a meal for their families, that really got my heart. Now, I believe, uh, is she the one that I think she is? She like 85. I think she is. I think she's that gal. But she's been around Portland a long, long time. And she understands what's going on. Milo and Ace defend the destruction as a tactic to apply pressure to city leaders. I think the city leaders are feeling that impact. They're feeling that pressure. And they are at that point of like, all right, we're gonna do something. We're gonna push, push a little, push back a little bit. There are a lot of reasons why people would engage in property destruction, Milo said. I think that one of the reasons that people will break windows is a lot of times symbolic of the way that the city will protect things of material value, but not its people. I think if, you know, if 
people go after people, I think the city's going to, they're going to send police officers out to address that issue as well. Just like when windows get broken, we address that as well. Um, yeah, let's move on. However, Carter asks whether the protests are truly legitimate or just random acts of looting. Some of the people have been identified, they were not Black Lives Matter people, she said. They were young white kids coming from across the country. That kind of says it all right there, right? And this work that they're doing, it's difficult to find any progress or purpose for this, you know, alleged work. Self-styled citizen journalist Garrison Davis has been reporting on Portland's front lines for over the past year. He's witnessed sympathies waning for destructive tactics of some protesters. There's been a growing animosity towards some of the protests among, you know, the population of Portland, he said. A lot of the people are tired. A lot of the people are exhausted. The police force is getting tired. We're unsure of what direction this will head. Here's my prediction. Uh, there's going to be some pretty good sized confrontations. And uh, Mayor Ted is going to drop the hammer one way or the other. At some point in time, he brings in the feds, lets the feds help out. They've got a, you know, you get, you've got st a staffing issue with the Portland Police Department. I think um, the more these, you know, violent protests that are setting up safe environments, however that works. Uh, I think the more that those happen, especially now a year after this, there's going to be there's going to be some direct action, putting it right back in these terms, there's going to be some direct action towards the protesters, there just is. And I think they know it. And I think they're, you know, probably preparing themselves for this. But that's their whole thing is to basically get the attention. All right, this is what we believe in. This is what we're doing. But, you know, the um, the ideology of violence keeping a neighborhood safe, I think that's lost on a lot of people. It really is, and especially business owners. And I'm a, I'm a pro-business guy. I'm a small business guy. I'm a pro-business guy. Don't really have any patience for this nonsense because um, you are talking nonsense when you're trying to justify violence to keep a community safe, when you're talking about the confrontations with uh, you know, the right-wing groups. That doesn't happen very often, does it? They're few and far between. So now we're just kind of pointing at that, those confrontations, in order to justify just going out and smashing windows with hammers. I'm not down with that. That's not okay with me. Um, but then again, I'm not a part of Antifa. I'm not a part of these protests. And a lot of people have said, hey, Antifa has basically jacked the Black Lives Matter movement. They've just taken it over. They're doing their own thing. They're causing their own havoc. Black Lives Matter is like, hey, that's that's not our message. And yet, in in the video, you know, that we see from the guy who basically threatens Mayor Ted, he essentially says, hey, we're both fighting on the same side, we just need to figure out how to work together and make all of this violence creating a safe environment, you know, come to fruition. So yeah, just some crazy stuff. But I think you're going to see this, you're going to see this keep going for a while. Until there's some real consequences consequences for uh, the bashing of windows and graffitiing up, and now you know these peaceful protesters. There, you know, you've got video of them um, confronting just random drivers in downtown Portland. 
they're in the streets blocking traffic, stuff like that going on. It's it's still progressing. It's not like this is over. It's not over by any means. The Rose City Antifa still very strong in Portland, doing their thing. And as such, as businesses start to go back, as people start to go back as employees into the downtown cores, I think you're going to see more and more confrontation. And uh, it's not going to go well for either side. It just won't because that's, you know, that's the nature of this kind of confrontation. But what I do know for sure is that as these confrontations go on, I'll cover them for you right here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast because that's what we're doing. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for being a part of the uh, of the show. Love to have you subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Hit the like button. Smash that like button for this video. That really helps me out. Um, but you don't really care about that. Real estate man, read the news. Okay, I just did. How'd I do? Let me know. Let me know in the comments. Thanks so much for being here. Until next time, stay safe. I'll see you guys in a sec. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.